You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Named the best podcast of 2018 by Apple. Tons of fascinating guests. Untold stories you won't hear anywhere else. Expand your wisdom and discover other perspectives that you've never considered before with The Jordan Harbinger Show. Join Jordan as he interviews high-profile people as well as intriguing personalities. Each episode features a discussion that might just take you anywhere. I recommend episode 970, where Jordan and guest Annie Jacobson talk nuclear annihilation. How likely is it? How scared should you be? And what comes after? There's also episode 886 with David Farina, which delves into the wacky world of flat earthers. These episodes are great starting points, but you're sure to find deep, interesting, and thought-provoking topics throughout Jordan's catalog. Turn off the music and turn up the wisdom with The Jordan Harbinger Show. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. Beware the Redwood Bureau, a secret organization which captures and researches creatures and objects that defy explanation. Their reckless procedures have led to countless innocent lives lost. I am Agent Conroy. I worked for the Redwood Bureau, but I have escaped them to leak their reports to the unsuspecting public. You have the right to know. Redwood Bureau Phenomenon 0411. Other Tunnel. In the United States alone, approximately 600,000 people go missing annually. Fortunately, many of those that have gone missing turn up eventually, safe and sound, more or less. However, the number of individuals who go missing and stay missing until their files become cold cases still reaches the tens of thousands. While many of these reports are often due to forces outside of Redwood Bureau's control, I know of one artifact that has played a role in more missing person cases than I can count. The artifact is simply referred to as the Other Tunnels. Due to the nature of the tunnels and how it interacts with their victims, finding a first-hand account from someone who had entered the Other Tunnels and lived to see the light of day was difficult. There were a few stories you'd come across here and there, People disappear under strange circumstances in the woods. People who are later found miles and miles away. Children found at elevations they had no business being. Some of these files might be worth looking into to decipher if other phenomena are at fault. In regards to the tunnels, though, the body of the victim isn't something you'll come across. Par one instance. 
After tracking down areas where disappearances occurred in clusters, and researching the claims of loved ones in these hotspots, I finally came across a report. It was filed and shoved into archives at a local police station. The claim was likely assumed to be the ramblings of a madman, and completely ignored. As far as I'm concerned, this is the only knowledge that I or the Bureau could obtain regarding what happens to those who step into it. The other other tunnels. For me, the outdoors is where I always felt most at ease. I loved being surrounded by trees and the sounds of chirping animals. The way nature can thrive when untouched by human involvement always fascinated me. Though I do appreciate that for me to observe nature untouched by man, I have to touch it. Catch-22, I suppose. So when I tell you that I've been out hiking more times than most people have eaten at their favorite restaurant, I'm probably not exaggerating by much. The state park here, I've been up and down that park more times than I can remember. Sometimes my mum used to joke that I was born in that park. My dad loved the outdoors too. That's where I got it from. He would always take me out hiking with him. He would tell me about the berries that you can eat and can't eat. He would inform me on how to deal with wild animals when approached by one. Which a lot of the time boiled down to, hope it isn't hungry. Growing up more comfortable in the forest than I was in my own home. I'd like to say that I'm pretty savvy and clear-headed about these things. You can imagine my surprise when I was walking one of my favorite trails. A trail that I've walked hundreds of times. And there was this... tunnel there. About two miles into the walk, as I was walking over the wooden bridge, I looked down. And there in the rock face was a tunnel. I ran around the side of the bridge and climbed my way into the rather steep valley underneath it. Couldn't tell you how long I stood in the valley just staring at the tunnel. It wasn't too much taller than me, maybe about seven feet up and five feet across. It arched at the top and looked like it was etched into the rock itself, as if someone had overnight found the rock face and chipped away at it until they made a hole. There was a hypnotizing effect to looking at it. I could tell that the tunnel was leading somewhere, a great depth beyond the surface. But it also looked so flat against the rock face. It felt like I was in an episode of Looney Tunes, like someone was about to walk right into the tunnel. Then I would try to chase them, but my body would smack against the rock as if it was just a drawing. I thought to myself, has this been here the whole time? But I could swear that I'd never seen it. Then I remembered a picture I'd taken of myself when I was sitting in that very valley a few weeks back. Pulling out my phone, I quickly navigated to the gallery and, after some scrolling, found the picture. There it was. Me sitting on the ground, and in the background, I could see the rock face. A strange feeling brewed in my chest when I zoomed in on the picture to discover that there was, in fact, no tunnel. I couldn't see any brickwork-like markings on the outside of the tunnel. With my phone in my hand, I momentarily considered calling someone to ask them about the strange appearance. The more I considered it, though, the more I realized I wouldn't know what to say to whoever picked up. So ultimately, the phone returned to my pocket. Stepping closer to the tunnel, I started to pick up on a smell that was emitting from it. At first, 
I liken the smell to something like hot iron, but the more I took it in, the more I realized that I couldn't identify the smell at all. It became more unlike anything I had ever smelled before. It was strange, but I started to believe that I could feel the smell. With each step forward, the smell got thicker until it was an intangible ocean wrapping around me. It coated my clothing and blocked out all the distinct smells that call to you in the forest. It started to feel isolating, disconnecting me from the rest of the world. Upon reaching the threshold of the tunnel, I could observe that within its massive expanse, there was a pinprick of light in the distance. Though this light looked more like the stars you see at night as opposed to just an opening on the other side of the tunnel, looking at the light made me sympathetic to the creatures on the ocean floor, looking at an anglerfish, lured in by the will-o'-wisp until sharp fangs clamped down on me. How foolish those fish are. As I stepped away beyond the boundary of the tunnel's opening, there was a heaviness to being inside that tunnel though, Maybe it was just the smell becoming more physical. With a light in the distance seeming to almost flicker, I tried to picture the part of the forest this tunnel was carved into. I tried to consider that if this tunnel was a straight line, where would the other side exit? No matter how I cut in my head, the tunnel couldn't have possibly been so long that light was that far out. The tunnel couldn't be that long. I would have been able to see the exit clearly. The elevation in the land within the valley wasn't so intense that it could stretch on forever. Of course, I thought about just turning around and leaving it alone. I imagined watching a movie of myself in that moment, screaming at the screen, telling myself to just turn around. I imagined that the viewer version of myself must have scoffed fairly hard when they watched me take another cautious step into the tunnel. Every time I took a step further into the tunnel, it felt like the hesitation for the next step was stripped away more and more. I would occasionally look back at the entrance to see the light from it shrinking. The more I watched the light I was leaving behind shrink, the more I wondered why the light in front of me wasn't growing. I was nervous to feel around at first. It reminded me of the time my dad and I happened upon a sleeping brown bear. We had gotten so close to it, and in my young mind, I thought about nothing other than wanting to pet it. My dad stopped my small hand just before making contact with the plush brown fur. A feeling of wanting to make contact with something, but doing so might lead to it swallowing you alive. As I stepped along though, the thought consumed me and I raised my arm, placing my palm against the side of the tunnel. There was such a disconnect between what I was seeing and what I was feeling. I could only see the light ahead of me. I couldn't make out the figure on my hand against the wall at all. Yet I could still feel it. My very own phantom limb syndrome caused my brain to misfire. The walls were smooth. I couldn't tell if they were slick with a thin film of viscous fluid, or if the walls were just glossy like an expertly cut gemstone. Imagined if anything the walls felt like obsidian. Beyond that though, Leaving my hand to run along the wall felt as though the wall was moving, not the surface of it though. I was just perceiving the sensation that something was moving under the surface of the wall. A wriggling and unimaginably large presence. 
a whale shark rising under the surface of thin ice. As impossible as this feeling was, in my hand I had already passed the event horizon. I believed, foolishly so, that the worst of what I was going to feel had already occurred. All that I had to do was continue walking and I would be out of the tunnel in no time. That thought persisted as one minute ticked to the next. These notions of time started to bleed away the longer I was in the tunnel and the further I plunged into it. Space and time stopped meaning much of anything. The light never got closer and I felt as if I could have already been there for days and not known it. I had even noticed that my pace of walking had picked up considerably. No longer cautious but hurried. Occasionally I had to place my hand on the wall just to remind myself that I hadn't somehow floated off into space. That I hadn't come ethereal. At some point I must have said something out loud, though I honestly can't remember having done so. I only remember the feeling of the tunnel, the gravity of it, feeling so oppressive that I didn't want to speak. I felt like a child being scolded by my father again, unable to speak up for myself. Small. My, my voice, voice was inside the tunnel, the tunnel though, and much, and like, much like, like the wriggling mass, it seemed it to, seem to exist as a sheet of ice. It was echoing around the tunnel. I could hear it getting further away from me before bouncing back towards me. Loud then quiet. Loud then quiet. Loud then quiet. Louder. 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 Quieter. My own voice seemingly taunted me. Not with words, but with the idea that it existed beyond my control. It was hard to make out what the whispering voice was saying, but the more accustomed I got to it, the more its chiding became clear to me. The whispers, the things said in my voice, were hateful. They mocked everything about me. Told me that I had wasted my life walking through the woods. That I had failed so miserably at connecting with my fellow man that I secluded myself and looked into my childhood for an excuse to do so. They told me that I hated the woods. I hated how often my dad dragged me out to them. I hated the way the heat stuck to you, the way the bugs landed on you. I hated when Dad put a rifle in my hand. My palm that I had placed upon the wall curled and I could feel my fingernails grating against the glossy surface. The wall felt like it might crack and break open if I put enough pressure on it. The voices reminded me of when he made me pull the trigger. The way the rifle made my ears ring. The tunnel when I remember that ringing. The tunnel chimed out in kind reproducing the sound of the bullet leaving the chamber. My dad, so excited, told me what a great shot I was. All I could focus on was those pitch black lifeless eyes staring back at me, the pinprick of light from the sun in its pupil. At any moment, I know that I should have turned around and attempted to leave the way I came in. Though at the bottom of me, I knew that if I did turn around, a small bead of light behind me would fail to grow. That I had created another infinity behind myself. Warning, signal interruption detected. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? 
Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Signal connection restored. All I had was forward. All I could do was walk lest I turn my back on the greatness around me. The whispers grew and grew as thoughts entered and left my head. The cacophony of my voice layered over itself until I stopped being able to make out what was being said. The voices twisted in and out of each other, until it was just a low and rumbling hum that I could feel rattling my bones. This hum continued bouncing back and forth in that void, almost like a searchlight of sound scanning for ships. Each time the searchlight landed on me, it felt closer and more predatory. I was being digested. Not physically, but it felt like the aspects of that made me... I was all being washed away into static. My words and my speech were mushed together into something meaningless and threatening. My senses were made useless, deprived of the sensory input needed to ground my physical form. My memories, the times I've loved, I've laughed or cried, they were ripped from my head and shot back at me through mockery. All that I was left with was the times I felt hatred for this world. The times I watched my dad yelling at mum, clenching my fist. I've seen people leaving trash on the ground. All of it was gutting me and making me feel bitter. My desire to return to the world that I left behind became less and less actionable. Filthy and selfish creatures, I thought. So simple and so small compared to the tunnel. Was it just me that felt this way? Had others explored the depths of the tunnel like I was? Did they hate? Did they want to come back? The only thing I had was the feeling of my fingernails digging deeper and deeper grooves into the walls. I felt that I might break through. Being able to touch the massive one-like creature hiding in that veil. 
maybe not hiding per se. Waiting. Waiting for my fingers to smash through the surface, as I could go in but it couldn't come out so it needed me. The feeling and the small dwindling hope that any point I would begin to see the trees that were waiting me on the other side of that tunnel. It wasn't long, or maybe it was far too long, but eventually that hope too flickered into obscurity. I was the grey matter. I was no longer a being. The sense of touch that vaguely remained began to be used against me. As I walked, it started to feel like the air was getting so dense that it was pressing against my skin, like I was pushing through solid matter to progress. That feeling against my skin became narrow and more defined. At some point, it felt like the needles you get in your skin as you try to wake up your arm. Only in my case, that feeling of needles manifested further until I could swear something was piercing my skin or like the air was producing razor blades that I was stepping through, slipping into my skin. It caused me to hunch over, lowering my form as the agony of pinpricks burned through my body. I suspected I was bleeding, so I reached up with my hand and ran it along my skin, my clothing. I felt... I felt glossy. The fabric of my shirt or the roughness of my skin had all diluted into the smooth, wet feeling. I had to orchestrate my arm off of me and back to confirm that I hadn't accidentally touched the wall. The wall which I'd become indistinguishable from. The more I hunched over from the pain, the smaller I felt in that space. It was as if the walls were closing in on me. My innards started to wrench and twist, rejecting the form that they were stuck in. Now sickeningly, I started to feel what I could only assume was my intestines shrinking and expanding, pressing against the insides of me. My bodily functions were all being thrown out of whack in that place. It was as if separate parts of me were beholden to different time constraints. My breathing became heavy and it was the first time I was able to hear the sound produced from my mouth since walking in the tunnel. The breathing came out and started to fizz when exposed to the tunnel's environment. I remembered being a kid sitting in front of a fan to make myself sound like a robot. Wrenching caused my throat to burn and scratch. The sharp noises of pain screeched out at me and joined the chorus of whispering. Steps became shaky as I felt bile churning in my stomach the inside of me begging to be released. With my mouth agape, I unleashed the contents of my stomach. The trail mix and protein bar that I had been digesting spilled onto the tunnel's floor. I could hardly hear the wet contents smacking the stone. Pools spilled from between my lips. I couldn't imagine where all that liquid was coming from. It felt like it would never end. My throat was red hot, and each time I was forced to dry heave, I could feel the space around me expanding and imploding in tandem with my attempts to expel what was left. I was brought to my hands and knees where it became apparent that the floor was dry, or at least as glossy as the walls were. I had long reached the point where I stopped asking why things operated the way that they did in here. Without any mess to worry about slipping on, I pulled myself up and started my march forward again. 
How much longer would I have had to have been in there before it took me completely? What would become of me? The pain that wrapped my body became bearable. It was still anguish beyond what I had ever felt before, but my senses became a nearly useless measurement of the new ocean of what was drowning it. So there's no other choice but to deal with it, to accept it as part of myself. I even pressed my fingernail in my palm as hard as I could to see if I could feel it. The pain went somewhere else. I could feel it, but it wasn't me. The light that drew me into the tunnel never grew. It never revealed itself further to me, but I understood it. I understood that it was something. That I was approaching something. It would take me more lifetimes than humans had to offer to reach it, though. It was a size greater than any human measurement could comprehend, in a vastness that dwarfed even it. I understood that the mass surrounding me, that writhing tomb, was part of that light. My thoughts traversed the stars. I wondered if the light I was chasing was the only one. Was the behemoth surrounding me the only of its kind? The thoughts, these musings, almost seemed like suggestions. Subliminal inquiries pressed into my head to further tie me to the tunnel. I was meant to walk until I broke through the wall carried by my empty soul. Then the thing would take me completely. I would join its rank and it would reach further out grow more. Mindless. I was mindless, and at that moment, I welcomed the unity. I wanted to understand completely. I wanted to dwarf the earth. I wanted all of those trees and bugs and memories to mean nothing. I wanted them to become as small as that speck of light. My fingers pressed harder, and like glass, the wall broke. My arm plunged in, and at the very seam, I pulled apart. Like threads, my arm unwound and began to squirm around. With the opening I created, I wanted to throw my body inside. I did. I leaned in. It didn't feel like I was doing it, though. It felt like all I had to do was fall. Accept and fall. fall. The tunnel called out. It was my own voice, as it had been the whole time, but I could hear something else mixed in with it. A longing. A low and imperceptible clicking. The flares of dying stars sputtering out. Waves of cosmic music. The greatest symphony ever conducted. I was right there. So close. I was about to comprehend every finite detail of the infinite existence. Almost understanding the things I had never even considered before, and it felt euphoric and empty. That smell became home, just as inviting and calming as the most soothing lavenders. Right at that moment in my greatness, another introduction of pain. My face slammed against the hard and rough surface of the rock. My nose was nearly pushing up into my brain. Reflexively, I brought my fingers up to hold my nose, 
the warm, wet blood poured onto my palms. It was me again. My face was chilled and squishy, just like it had always been. I stood in the valley under the wooden bridge, stepping back to observe the blank rock face in front of me. It was just rocks. The same rocks I had seen on that mind-numbingly boring path a hundred times before. The same stupid rocks. My fingers grasped at the rocks, trying to find the opening to the tunnel again. My knuckles shredded open, my skin parting like my skin's zipper was yanked. My fist met with the rock over and over. I thought, I hoped if I could just hit hard enough, I could make it back into the tunnel. I didn't. I couldn't. The tunnel had spit me back out right at our climax. I can still see it though. Like it's imprinted onto my perception. That little light always hangs in the middle of my vision. Or rather, it's in my memories as I created them. I'm not actually seeing the light. It doesn't obstruct my view, but it is there. Just beyond. Calling. Like a film overlaying another. In the present. Of the many things I felt in that tunnel, Alone was never one of them. There was always that feeling, if I just kept walking, I would be a part of more. That feeling was following me everywhere I go. The underlying sense of the call. I look everywhere for the tunnel. I've tried to make it myself, to no avail. I can't get that door to open again. I want nothing more than to walk toward that light again. As stated earlier, this is the only account given by an individual regarding the inside of the other tunnels. It is a statement that Redwood would surely like to get their hands on, which they will. If it's so much as a whisper between two friends in the dead of night in the middle of nowhere, you can be sure Redwoods heard it. The statement was understandably shuffled away and was only brought out recently after the body of the gentleman who made it was found in the forest. It was said the man had clawed his eyes out with his own hands, hands that hardly resembled a human's with how mangled they had become. Fingernails were lifted from the skin and scratch marks were found in the stones nearby. His body was discovered in the same valley that he claimed the tunnel appeared in. His report was further confirmed by the picture on his phone that he mentioned within. The other tunnel isn't so much an entity the Bureau has unleashed as it is something that isn't currently containable, as the other tunnel doesn't refer to just a singular tunnel, but rather the phenomenon of the tunnel's appearance. The first one was a stone archway discovered somewhere in Norway. This tunnel was excavated by Redwood and brought to a testing facility. There are a few notes of corroboration that confirm the man in the report had encountered an other tunnel. Redwood forced prisoners to enter the tunnel and report what they could over walkie-talkies, though the feed would always cut out as soon as the prisoners passed the entrance of the tunnel. Other tunnels have a particular smell, at first smelling like metal, but quickly the victim will realize they can't recognize the smell at all. The prisoners do report a hypnotic function of the tunnel, something of a siren call. The smooth surface inside the tunnel was confirmed when a prisoner only reached their arm in. 
an arm that ceased to exist when the prisoner stepped away. These tunnels are only traceable by the strange radiation that they give off. Special equipment needed to be fashioned to pick up on this radiation globally. The tunnels don't seem to be restricted to any one area. They've been spotted in residential neighborhoods, in Antarctica, and deep in abandoned mines. There seems to be no rhyme nor reason to their location. Their appearance is monitored by Redwood, though naturally, the Foundation refuses to warn locals when one pops up. The tunnels never seem to stay around long, but they are crafty. They either appear in strange places, preying on curiosity, or they can camouflage as a tunnel that already exists in the area. Like a sock, the other tunnel wraps around the existing tunnel and waits for the creatures of habit to walk through. It is, much to the Bureau's dismay, unclear what the desires and functions of the other tunnels are. There are theories that it connects to another universe, acting like a wormhole, leading to a place that feeds on our consciousness. Or that it is a Legion-type entity that requires more mass for whatever its goal is. Either way, I implore you to be mindful of the spaces you enter. Whether it's somewhere new, or somewhere you've been a hundred times, it might even be able to disguise itself as a simple doorframe. Be wary of the smell of metal. Sit with the smell for a moment, and if it becomes something you don't recognize, do not enter the space. Resist the call of the voice. This report is the only instance of someone who made it out of the tunnel alive. The only person. One who opted to take their own life. One must wonder why the other tunnel let the men go free, when it so clearly had him, right where it wanted him. If you put a gun to my head, and ask me why it let that man go, I only come up with one answer. A warning. I'm Josh Tomar, host of Redwood Bureau. Thank you for listening. Redwood Bureau is a horror fiction podcast and part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. For more dreadful terrors, follow Redwood Bureau on Spotify and iTunes, and check out our other podcasts like Unexplained Encounters and Freaky Folklore on your favorite podcast platform. You can find me on Twitter and Twitch under username Tomamoto, T-O-M-A-M-O-T-O, and my voiceover is featured in a wide variety of your favorite video games, anime, and other animated shows. Until next time, don't forget, this world is a strange one. time inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.